Years ago, there was a uh, commercial. Some of you will remember this. And in that commercial, um, a man uh, asked about a chicken sandwich. And uh, as he's asking about the chicken sandwich, he says, what parts are chicken? You remember that commercial? To which the young clerk simply replies, well, all parts are chicken. And the customer presses a little bit and says, but which chicken parts? And the clerk replies and says, does it matter? Because parts is parts. But you know, that's really not true in anything, is it? I mean, uh, if I take my car to the mechanic and he says to me, he says, Ray, you need a new alternator. And I say to him, well, I just happen to have an extra water pump. Just put the water pump on instead. You and I know that the water pump isn't going to replace an alternator. Suppose you need a heart transplant. You can't replace it with a liver, can you? And uh, I don't know about you, but I don't want to get on an airplane and find out that they substituted a fuel pump for an engine. You see, parts are not just parts. Parts are not generic. Uh, And to be effective, they have to be very, very specific. Did you know today uh, there is an incredible market for body parts? In fact, I have uh, an article in my files that describes how the FDA shut down a couple of companies that have harvested body parts outside of federal regulations, and they have recorded at least five donors that did not match their death certificates. So where did those parts come from? But body parts are so valuable that there is literally an entire industry devoted to help us find them and use them legitimately. Now, the Bible teaches us that we are valuable to God because we are each a part in the body of Christ, and as parts in the body of Christ, each of us have responsibilities, and no part can take your place in the body of Christ. Now, those parts are referred to in the Scripture as spiritual gifts. They reflect that part we are in the body of Christ, and that's why we need to understand them. This series that we're in is entitled Life in the Spirit, and I want you to know this morning that your life in the Spirit is directly connected to the use of your spiritual gifts. All Christians are gifted, and that's the subject that I want us to talk about for the next couple of weeks. If you're physically able to do so, I want to invite you to stand with me looking at Romans chapter 12, if you haven't found that place already open there in your Bible, and just a few verses there. Beginning in verse 3, Paul writes and he says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another." Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. 
Now, Father, would you take your word and speak to our hearts this morning. Help us to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and allow the Spirit of God to reproduce the nature and the character of our Savior, Jesus Christ, in us. Would you take your word this morning and instruct us, teach us, transform us, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Now, the passage we just read is actually one of three different passages in the New Testament that talk about uh, spiritual gifts and their use. And Paul begins this section with a gentle reminder that we should keep ourselves in right perspective as it relates to spiritual gifts and to not think more highly of ourselves than we ought. And this, the context is spiritual gifts. Maybe you've heard that used before. You know, the Bible says, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. Well, that's true, but the context of that statement that Paul makes is in relation to spiritual gifts. In other words, he's saying this, don't go around bragging about your spiritual gifts. Don't say, well, I have the gift of what is your gift? And that's what he said. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to because we all have these different gifts and all of the gifts are important to God. There is not a greater gift to God and a lesser gift to God. Does that make sense? And so he says, don't think because you have a certain gift that that makes you more special in the kingdom to God. All the gifts are important. And so we shouldn't assume that our gifts make us more important to God than anybody else in the family of God. From God's point of view, every gift and every gifted believer uh, has a responsibility uh, to serve Him, and each gift and each part, if you will, in the body is vital to the health of the body. Now, tragically today, there are those who measure spirituality on the basis of their spiritual gifts, and that's completely unbiblical in its approach. And it has, in some cases, been the source of great spiritual pride. And it's caused division among Christians. And in some cases, it has resulted in the elevation and pursuit of various gifts over the, uh, uh, over the use of other gifts. And it has elevated gifts above the level of walking with and knowing God. Now, my goal today is not to try to explain the function and guidelines for all the gifts. I'll do that in a later message. What, what, what I want to do today is to help us understand the value and the reason behind the gifts of God if you're saved, you have a gift from God. Because, <clears throat> listen, when we understand that, we will better understand ourselves and we'll certainly understand better what it means to live life in the Spirit. Now, let me give you, before I get into the outline that you've got printed, let me give you uh, uh, two or three reasons that you need to understand your gift better, all right? <clears throat> First of all, you need to understand your gifts better because it will help you understand why you have certain ministry burdens. If you understand your spiritual gifts better, you'll understand why you have a certain spiritual bent or you have a certain kind of spiritual burden. Uh, there are going to be times in your life where God is going to uh, impact you or burden you with a, a kind of ministry to be engaged in or be involved in. Or you may even think, well, I wish so-and-so was more excited about this particular ministry burden. Listen, your spiritual gifts will oftentimes have a direct relationship to the burden of ministry that you have. And that's normal. That should be but if you understand them, it'll help you understand why other people don't always get as excited about the ministry things that you get excited about, all right? So you, you can say, well, I have this burden for ministry, but why doesn't everybody have the same level of burden that I have for that ministry? Well, it doesn't mean that yours isn't legitimate. What it, by the way, what it might mean is God wants you to give more energy to that ministry. 
I've had people through the years come and say, Pastor, the Lord's put this burden on my heart for a certain ministry, and, uh, and I, I, I'd like for you to consider taking that on. And I would say to them, you know what's interesting? If God put that burden on your heart, he probably wants you to take it on. It doesn't mean I won't be involved or I won't encourage it, but it might just be if God put it on your heart and he didn't put it on my heart, why do you think he put it on yours? And by the way, people find out a lot of times their ministry by that sort of thing. So understand your gifts. A second thing it will help you understand is it will help you understand how to relax and be who God intended for you to be. Right? It'll help. I'll talk more about that a little bit later on. So, so it'll help you understand why you have certain ministry burdens. It'll help you relax and be who God uh, intended for you to be. And here's the third reason you ought to understand your gifts. It will help you focus on things that you are uniquely and spiritually qualified to do. It'll help you put uh, razor focus on things that you, are, you have been gifted to do by God. So in today's passage, what Paul does is he makes clear uh, the truth about spiritual gifts. And he makes clear God's intentions behind them. So I want to show you four things this morning about uh, understanding spiritual gifts. The first thing, I want you to see the implication of your spiritual gift found in verse 4. He says there, look at verse 4, keep your Bibles open. As the body has, uh, uh, we have many members, and the members do not all have, here's the operative phrase that I want you to see, they do not all have the same function. The implication of your spiritual gift is this, God gave it to you on purpose and with purpose. So God gave you the spiritual gift that you have, and he gave it to you uh, specifically uh, for a purpose, and that purpose relates to how he's made you. Now, I want you to understand something. I'm not talking about natural abilities and natural talents, which I do believe are gifts from God. I mean, there are certain things that come natural for you. We say, well, they're just, they're a natural, or they're just really, that just comes so easy to them. Now, that's not what I'm talking about here. Though I do believe those things, all good and perfect gifts come down from the Father of lights, the Scripture says. So I believe those things are are part of who God has made us to be. And uh, by the way, someone has said that if you really want to discover your ministry, you'll see where the intersection uh, is of your natural abilities, your spiritual gifts, and the things you're most passionate about. And I think that's true. But so I'm not talking so much today about natural abilities, natural gifts. Uh, Those are gifts from God. But I'm talking specifically about spiritual gifts that God gave you upon receiving Christ as your Savior and Lord. You see, upon your conversion, God endowed you with uh, at least one spiritual gift. And, uh, and listen to this, because God gave them to you, you're just a steward of the gifts. You have, uh, they, they don't belong to you, they belong to God. They're a trust from God, given to Him on purpose so you can fulfill your body part in the uh, body life in the work of God's church. So Paul is really telling us that by giving a variety of gifts, God is very creative and that he's not boring, and that he's not a copycat, and that he needs us all. I read about a man some years ago who made the Guinness's Book of World Records. And uh, he made that book because of his ability to eat things that are not food. Uh, and he's one of a number of people that, that uh, grind up things and eat them. For example, one man had eaten a bicycle well, honey, what would you like tonight in a bicycle? He'd eaten a bicycle. Another man had eaten a chandelier. 
they grind them up, and uh, then accordingly they mix them in with their food, and over time they, they eat these items. But the man in, in, that had the world record at that time was from Caracas, Venezuela, and he had eaten a light aircraft, an airplane. I mean, he had eaten the whole plane. Now, <laughs> not at one time, of course, as I said, he grinds them up, and it was a light Cessna airplane, and over time, I don't know how many years it took him to eat this airplane, and, um, and he succeeded to do that in his lifetime, and, I, and he's in the Guinness Book of World Records for eating an airplane. I got thinking about that. Now, since a, we have these gifts and abilities, and we're going to, you know, they're trust from God, can you imagine this man uh, going to heaven and standing before God and God saying, what'd you do while you were there on earth? And him saying, well, Lord, I ate an airplane. Can you imagine that? But one day you and I are going to give a report of what we did while we were here on earth. As believers, God's going to ask us a question. I gave you a gift. What'd you do with that gift? Uh, well, well, how will you answer that? While you were on earth, what did you do with the gift that I had given you? How will you answer that? That's why it's important for every one of us to understand our spiritual gifts and, and, and to be purposeful in how we use them because one day every one of us will be accountable for how we use the gift that God had given us, His gift entrusted to us, and he'll ask us, just like the parable of the talents, a remarkable parable, I think it's a super parable of the New Testament, and it teaches so many things about stewardship and obedience and, and gifts and, and responsibility. And one day we'll, we'll present our gift back, God, you endowed me with this spiritual gift, and here's how I used it for your glory, and it will be reflected in heaven how we used those gifts spiritually in the body of Christ for the glory of God. Now, everybody is not gifted to do everything. So that's why God filled his people. That's why we're all different. We have a variety of spiritual gifts. Now, those spiritual gifts are limited. We'll talk about some of those in the weeks to come. Everybody's not gifted to do everything spiritually. By the way, that'll alleviate a big burden in your life if you realize. That, now, I didn't just say, okay, then then you don't have to, your behavior, your character is not to be adjusted according to Christ. I said spiritual gifts, don't confuse the two. But you can't do everything, and you can't, you, God hasn't given you every spiritual gift, so your gifts are what you're responsible uh, to God for, and you can accomplish them. God, is, God has equipped you and enabled you to do that. All right, so uh, that's the implication of your spiritual gift. The second thing on your outline I want you to notice is association of your spiritual gift. Look at verse 5. The association of your spiritual gift. <laughs> so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. There are many of us. There are many of us that compose the body of Christ, the church uh, universal, we say, of God, and then the local body of Christ. Now, when Paul is writing in the New Testament, these three different occasions about spiritual gifts, he's writing to local uh, believers. He's writing to the congregation of believers in an era. These are the believers in Rome, and he's talking to them about the importance of them uh, allowing the gift of God to fully function in their life for the glory of God and the good of the church. 
But it's all about diversity. And the, the gifts find their purpose and usefulness when they are combined with the gifts of others. Uh, unified diversity in the spirit life uh, is, enables a unified operation of the church of God. Let me do something with you for just a moment. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> I'm going to count to three. And when I count to three, I want everybody in this room to shout out their name, your first name, not the whole name, your first name, all right? Are you all ready? When I count to three, you're going to shout out your first name. Ready? One, two, three. Okay, how many names did y'all pick up on there? Now let's do one more, your own, right? Now let's do something else. I'm going to count again, and this time... Instead of calling out your name, call out the name of Jesus. Just say Jesus, all right? You ready? One, two, three. Jesus. Now, did anybody have any trouble picking up on the name there? You, it, it, uh, you understand the more unified a body is, the clearer the message to everyone around. But when we're all about us, the message gets lost, doesn't it? But when it's all about Jesus, it becomes crystal clear. That's a, a wonderful illustration of what it means for all of the parts to be unified. We're all different. Our voices sound different. Our design physically is different. But when we unify, no matter how we sound, we all understood the message of Jesus very clearly. And we need to learn that when we present ourselves to Jesus, we're also presenting ourselves to one another. That's what he said there. He said, you are uh, a many, but you're one, and then individually you're members of one another. You see, here's the fact. When you belong to Jesus, you belong to me. And because I belong to Jesus, I belong to you. There's great personal fulfillment when we operate within the use of our spiritual gifts but the gifts, here's what Paul is saying, depend on the other gifts. Paul reminds us that they serve a larger purpose. So coming together and part of the purpose of the church of God is to unite with the use of our gifts to be a powerful force for the kingdom of God in this world. Look at the people sitting around you. Look at them. The truth is, your gifts are not nearly as much about you as your gifts are about them. Putting your gift with their gifts and their gifts with other gifts. And as Paul writes and talks about, for the common good. Remember, the church is the body of Christ. It is Listen, the church is not an organization with Jesus as the president and the rest of us as employees. The church is not an organization. Jesus is not the president of the organization. The church is a living organism. The church is the body of Christ. He is the ruler. He's not the president. We're not the employees. We are the body personified, working together. Now, I, I know everybody's gift is not as obvious as some, but everyone's gift is just as important in the health of the body of Christ. Your spiritual gifts are that important. Listen, you can't see my lung 
But if it's not working, you can see the effect of it. Your gifts serve little purpose if they are not connected with the gifts of the rest of the body of Christ. And that's right, because, because that's what they were created for. Back to my lung illustration for a second. If you take a, a healthy lung and you remove it and you throw it out on the street and say, breathe, lung, well, you know it's not going to happen. And it's not going to happen because as vital as that lung is, it is also dependent on the connection it has with the rest of the body. It's not designed to function alone. It is not a lone ranger sort of thing. It is not designed to function apart from the rest of the parts and the connection of the body. And if it tries, it becomes useless and dead. The fact is, the association of our gifts with the gifts of others in the body of Christ is the catalyst for either a church's success or its failure. And God has designed it that way. So, so if you find, by the way, a church that's full of disgruntled, unhappy, independent, self-centered, uncooperative people, you're always going to find a church that is either dying or is already dead. But by the same token, when you find a church that's happy and focused and surrendered and humble and unified, and even when they disagree, they disagree agreeably, they're cooperative with one another, you're going to find a healthy, living, dynamic family of God. You remember years ago when the Challenger space shuttle exploded. Most of it's one of those moments, you know, in time where if you were alive at least, uh, most people remember where they were or what they were doing when the Challenger exploded. I certainly do. And following that, um, I read uh, several books uh, that uh, chronicled what led up to that, what happened, what the cause was. And in one of the books I read, um, it, it described a, a, a scenario that NASA calls Criticality 7. Criticality 7. And I was intrigued by that as I read that because here's what criticality seven means. Of the, of the literally millions of parts on the space shuttle, millions of parts, 700 of those parts were considered critical. And by that it means that if any one of those 700 parts fails, it is catastrophic and complete destruction of the shuttle. Just one of those. That's all it takes. It's not like it could fail and one of those 700 could fail and say, well, we, we'll manage to, well, we'll, have to uh, we'll have to shut it down this time and not do the, the, the mission. No, no. If any one of them fell, it was major disaster. It was catastrophic with its consequences. Now listen to me. You say, what is the point? Do you know that you are critical to the success of the body of Christ. Some parts, look, look you, don't, you don't probably could look at a space shuttle and say, I bet that part, if it fails, that's a disaster. If that part fails, that's a disaster. But there were far more parts that you couldn't see, and if they didn't do their work, it was disaster for the shuttle. You see, not all parts are as obvious as others, but all are important. You are critical. Your gifts are critical to the health and the well-being of the work of God and the mission of God. 
But then there's a third thing I want you to see about understanding your gifts. I want you to see the designation of your spiritual gifts found in verse 6. He says there, he says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given us. Perhaps in uh, messages follow, I'll talk a little more about this idea. But let me just say it this way. Your spiritual gift was given to you based on the will of God at His discretion. Your gifts were given to you based on the will of God at His discretion. God knows exactly what gift or gifts you need to edify the church and exactly what gift you need to be most effective in the kingdom. And so through His Spirit... He endows you not on the basis of merit or even your qualifications, but He endows you on the basis of His purpose in your design. Think about the prophet Jeremiah. The Scripture says, God said to Jeremiah, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you and had set you apart to be a prophet to the nations. God says, before I formed you, I knew you. I I knew how I designed you, the way I was going to design you. And it is consistent with the mission that I have for your life, the purpose that I have for your life. It's very important that you understand that the gift you have is, is directly related to the mission that God has for your life, and it is at God's discretion that they are bestowed. And that's why there are no little people in the kingdom of God. I have a book in my library by Dr. Francis Schaeffer I read many years ago called No Little People, No Little Places. And it's really a series of sermons uh, that uh, he, he delivered. But the whole idea is with God, there are no little people. There are no little places. We sometimes look at, even in the Christian world, there's a kind of Christian celebrity that we, have, we are awed by at times that, that just shouldn't be. What we should say is they're in the place. They're using the gift, and they're going to be accountable for the place, and they're going to be accountable for the gift. And you say, I don't have that place like this person does or like this person does, or God doesn't seem to use me like he does. Listen, that's a misunderstanding of how he has designed and created you. And great contentment comes in your spiritual life, in life in the Spirit, when you learn to submit to the Spirit and say, God, however you've designed me, that's who I'm going to be. And God, whatever the gift is, I'm going to find out what it is. And whatever the gift is, God, I'm going to let your Spirit magnify your name through my life and the use of that gift. Because one day, really, The only person that you're going to be responsible to will be him, right? When you stand before him, that's who you present your gift to. That's who you'll say, God, uh, here's the gift you gave me, and I give it back to you with interest. I used it for your glory. And because that is true, there are three things you can relax and do. Let me give them to you. Number one, you can relax and be yourself. Don't don't try to be someone that God didn't create you to be. And listen to this. Stop stressing or worrying about gifts that you don't have. Well, I feel like I ought to. I feel like I ought to. Stop stop worrying about gifts that God didn't endow you with and that you don't have. Now, again, let me just do a little time out here. Be careful that you don't use what I just said as an excuse for bad character. So you need to understand the difference between 
the giftedness of God and character issues, both of those are spiritual issues. But, uh, so you can't do this, oh, well, it's just the way I am. I've just learned to be content the way I am. Be content in, with the gifts you have, but do not be content with the character you have. Always allow. See, the fruit of the Spirit we talked about last week, the fruit of the Spirit is the manifestation of the fruit that affects our behavior and our character. But those aren't the gifts. That is the result of the Spirit living inside of you, okay? So don't confuse. But be yourself. You, there, there, is a, there is a thing that has... I've heard it since I was young, and uh, perhaps you do too. You have too. You can be anything you want to be. Have you ever heard that phrase? We tell our kids that. By the way, the earth is back on its axis. My grandson arrived in town last night. And, uh, but I want to tell you, when, as he gets older now, he just talks, he's yapping all the time. He's probably going to be a preacher. But you know one of the things I am going to tell him when he gets older and more cognizantly aware of conversation, what, what we're talking about, I'm not going to tell him, now, Bodie, you can be anything in the world you want because that is just not true. But you can be everything that God created you to be, and that is true. And however God wants to do it, however God has, uh, has the pl- I know the plans that I have for you, those plans can be fulfilled in your life. And by the way, that's the place of greatest fulfillment in a life. When you can say, I'm walking in the plans and the will of God, it's not about position. It's not about place. It's not even about opportunity. It is about walking in lockstep with the Spirit of God, allowing the work of the Spirit of God to operate through you such that God is glorified and you are satisfied. That's what that's all about. So be yourself. I like what Max Lucado said. He said, someone can be a, be a good third baseman, but not a good pitcher. If I'm called to play third base, I'm going to be the best third baseman I can be. And he said, it was liberating, a liberating moment for me when I realized I didn't, have to be a great, I didn't have to be great at everything. You be what God designed you to be and gifted you to be, spiritually gifted you to be. Here's the second thing. Accept yourself. Stop comparing yourself with other people. In fact, Paul even writes and says, they that compare themselves among each other are not wise. Stop trying to be what you're not, but then accept who you are. Don't compare yourself with other people, um, and instead, thank God because you, as you are, were fearfully and wonderfully made. Ethel Waters, some of you remember that name. How many of you remember Ethel Waters? She sang for many years in the Billy Graham Crusades, and uh, she used to have this line. She would often use it before she sang, God don't make no junk. God don't make no junk. And I want to tell you something. He doesn't. God never messed up. It doesn't matter what you don't like about yourself. God did not make a mistake. God didn't say, oh, uh, that one I broke. <laughs> None of that. God didn't, God didn't make a mistake. There's no junk with God. So accept yourself. That's part of the process of being able to be used by God. And then number three, and I've told you this in this entire series, it always gets back to this right here, surrender yourself. 
Since God knows you inside out and God created you and God gifted you for a purpose, doesn't it just make sense to give all of yourself back to him? I mean, if he knows you better than anyone, doesn't it just make sense to say, well, I'll just give all of who I am back to him? You didn't create the gift, and you don't assign the gift. I'll talk more about that in another message here. God sovereignly assigns the gifts. Our part is to accept the gift and to use the gift for God's church and his glory. And that leads to the last thing I want to show you this morning. That's number four on your outline, the application of your spiritual gift. Verses 6 through 8. I'm just going to give you a part of that, but he says in verse uh, 6, let us use them. Circle that phrase in your Bible, let us use them. That's the application of your spiritual gift. Paul reiterates what he has stated in the other gift passages, and that is as God has has bestowed these gifts sovereignly upon each of us, he then expects something of us, and that is that we would use them. It's not just enough to know that we have gifts. I mean, we can study all the gifts. We'll look at some of the specific gifts and later messages, but the the fact is it's not enough just to, to know about the gifts. This is where the rubber meets the road. It's when you start using the gifts that God has given you. That's our part. It's our responsibility. But you say, but how do, how do we start? Well, I want to get back to this idea that is uh, uh, instrumental in the effectiveness of the, the spiritual gifts, and that is it starts in the church. Now, follow this. Since the gifts are body-life gifts, They can only be discovered and used when they are connected to the church. They were given for the church. They were given to be used by others in the church. And only when they are implemented uh, implemented through the body of Christ are they discovered and effective. Now, so so here's how you you start. You say, I I don't know what my spiritual gift is. I I don't know even uh, how to find it. Let me just give you a a, a quick start, a, a jump start on how to discover your gift. Stop waiting on God to zap you and get busy serving Him in the body in some way. Now, I know right now these are uncertain times. I, I know that. I thought about that as I was working on this message, that it's an uncertain time. You know, how do I serve and those sorts of things. I, I understand that. But you start finding ways that you can serve that are beneficial to the body of Christ. And I don't know how to tell you what that is. There are times when we can say, we need so-and-so, and we need this, and we need this, and we need this. I, I understand that. But you start telling Jesus, I want to serve. God, how, how do I serve? It's hard to steer a ship that's not moving. So get moving. And you'll discover your gifts as you get busy serving God. I was called to serve God as, uh, when I was 14 years old. And I didn't know at the time that it would lead to being a preacher. I probably wouldn't have followed it. If I did, I'd probably run. But at 14, I did recognize that uh, God was calling me to serve him. And, uh, and I never rec- uh, recognized, at 14, I didn't recognize that, well, this means I'm going to be a preacher. I'm called to be a preacher. I, I didn't say that. I, by the way, I hope by now that, uh, you recognize that I'm called to be a preacher, but... <laughs> It's too late if you don't. But you know what I did? I started serving God any way that I could in the little church 
that I was in. I, I, was look, I wanted to be there all the time. I, I wanted to do whatever I could do for God. I, that's, that's where I was. I probably drove the pastor crazy. I was there all the time, and I didn't know why. I would go with my buddies, and we would just sit on the steps of this little church and talk about the Bible and pray. We just wanted to be close to the church. I didn't know what all that meant. But here's what I'm saying. Now, I didn't know I was going to be a preacher. I just knew I was going to serve God with my life. But I started serving Him. And over time, I became more and more aware of how God had designed me. And the gift and the talents and abilities that He'd given me and how He had caused them to intersect and equip me to do exactly what He designed me to do. But I didn't wait to serve. A lot of folks just say, well, I'm going to wait, and I, maybe God will just show me, and I, I'm going to study, and I'm going to take gift tests. And we've taken gift tests here before and may yet again down the road. They're very helpful in us understanding how God has, has designed us spiritually. But don't wait until you somebody says, this is your gift. Just find a way to serve God. God will get you to your gift if you surrender to serve Him. Until I fully knew my gifts and abilities, that's what I did. I just served him. And God clarified the details. And I want to tell you, he'll do the same for you. So it's not enough just to know, know the gifts. And it's not even enough just to say, I know my gift. It's not enough just to know that. You and I are responsible to use our spiritual gift. That is life in the Spirit, is using our gifts for the good of the kingdom, for the church of God, for the body of Christ, and for the glory of the kingdom of God. And if the Spirit of God is Lord over you, then your spiritual gift will operate through you. In fact, you know what? If, the, if He's Lord of your life and you're walking in step with Him, as we talked about last week in our passage there in Galatians, if you're walking in step with the Spirit, guess what? It's a good chance that the spiritual gift that God has placed in you is probably operating. You don't even know it if you say, I can't identify my gift. One of, on one of my trips, actually, Alice and I, one of the first trips I ever made to London Alice and I went uh, and uh, we toured uh, what the typical tour sites are, and then we went to see the crown jewels. It's a magnificent uh, display of the jewels of, uh, of all of England. And among the treasure of the jewels at that time, I guess it is still there, was one called Koinor. It was the Koinor diamond. And the diamond's 186 carats. Now that's a rock, ladies. And. Um, the, the, at the time, they said it was worth half the expenses of half the daily expenses of the whole world. Uh, this was before it was cut and shaped, and, and then it was put into uh, the crown jewels. And it was given to Queen Victoria by a, a Punjab prince. He was 13 years old when he gave it to her. He had it in his possession, and he gave it to Queen Victoria of England it is said in England that later this same Punjab, as he was a grown man and now prince of his nation, he, he came back to England and he went to the tower where the crown jewels are and, and uh, he, he asked, he said, could I see the diamond? Now he's a grown man now. 
he had given this diamond essentially as a kid to, to the queen, and they wondered, what does he want? Does he want it back? Uh, is he going to ask, uh, uh, will you give this diamond back to, to me and our country? And they brought the diamond out, and because uh, he had been the one that had given it, he said, would you place it in my hands? Could I hold the diamond? And they placed it in his hands, and then he turned, and he said to the queen of England, who was also there with him, he said, you know, when I was a child, I gave you this diamond. But I had a child's mind when I did that. I did not fully understand the value of it and all that I was doing. He said, and now as a grown man, I more fully understand the worth of this diamond. And because I do now, I want to give it to you with understanding. And he handed the diamond back to the queen. Friend, listen to me. From God's perspective... Your gifts are like that diamond. They have great value. And they have been given to honor Him. And you and I are stewards of them. And one day, they are gifts that you and I will be able to present back to the Master. This was yours. I have stewarded it, but it has great value, and I understand its value, and I present it back to you. But let me tell you this. You say, yeah, that'll be a wonderful experience in heaven. But did you know there's a sense in which today you can give back the gifts that he has given to you? You know how you do that? By using them. By using them, you're acknowledging, this isn't mine. This has been entrusted to me. It is his. And one day, I want to fully present it back. And so I'm going to use it between here and eternity for his glory. That's a gift if you're a believer you have. But I close by telling you something else. While spiritual gifts are diversified among believers, there's another gift that anyone on this planet can have. It's called salvation. It is a free gift of God. It is received by faith. It is an act of grace on the part of God, and by faith we receive that. And everyone can have that gift. The spiritual gifts that I've been talking about come after this gift, the free gift of eternal life, the free gift of salvation, available to all. And if you're watching today by live stream or television in this live audience and you say, I've never received the free gift of salvation, please know that Jesus is offering it to you. Not the preacher, not the church. Jesus, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He offered Jesus so that you could receive the gift of eternal life. Start there, and then you'll receive the spiritual gift that God has created you to receive. Would you pray with me? Heads bowed, eyes are closed. If you, in this place, are watching us online or by television, in your heart of hearts say, you know, I'm not sure I've ever received the free gift of salvation. Right now, you can do that. You can call out to Christ. In in your heart, you can call out and say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. 
for dying for my sins. I know I'm a sinner. I've never received the gift of eternal life, but today, right now, I call on you. You have said in your word, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So I call on you right now. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Transform me as you've promised to do. And Lord, put me on the path of your plan and endow me with the gift that you've created me to steward. You may be here this morning, so you know I've just been rocking along, waiting uh, to figure out uh, how God might use me. And I want to encourage you. Say, I'm already saved, but I, I, I just want to encourage you to say to the Lord today, Father, use me. Here I am. Like Isaiah said, Father, here I am. Send me. I, I'm, I'm not a perfect representation, but Lord, if you can use me, use me. Use the gifts. Help me to identify how you want to use me, Lord. I surrender all. I surrender myself to be useful in the kingdom. Let that be your prayer. Now, Father, we do thank you that you didn't put us on this planet for no reason. You didn't put us here because you're bored. You didn't put us here just to to eat and breathe and take up space. You put us here with a divine purpose. And our fulfillment is tied to our relationship with you and to allowing the Spirit of God to live and operate in us and through us. I pray for those who called on your name for salvation today, Lord, that you would begin to draw them near you and cause them to see your perfect plans. For those who called out to you and said, Lord, I surrender anew, I surrender afresh. I pray, God, that the days that shall follow will bring new vigor to their spiritual life, new enthusiasm for you, contentment in how you've made them and a desire to serve you now father we love you and we thank you for the time we've had in your word this morning in jesus name amen would you look this way before i'm gone i want to say uh, several things to you and to those of you who are joining us by live stream it's been a joy to have you tuned in Every week we're hearing from you. Thank you for your cards and notes and letters and uh, all of those kinds of things. Emails uh, we get. uh, It blesses us to know that the Lord is using uh, His church and using His Word. And so thank you for that. But today, if you called out to Him to receive Him as your Savior, you can do something to acknowledge that. You can text the word PASTOR, P-A-S-T-O-R, to 334-384-8080. That information will be on your screen in front of you if you're live streaming or by television. We'd love to know about your decision to follow Christ uh, today. Maybe you've watched and you said, uh, I'd like to join Ridgecrest. I'd like to become part of this family. Remember, I'm not quite ready to return Uh, to the physical campus, but I'd like to become, when I come back, I want this to be my church, and I'd like to join. Would you just do the same thing? Would you text the word JOIN to 334-384-8080? We'll take all of those decisions from there. Maybe you need to be baptized. Just text that word to us. Uh, We'll follow up. We'll take care of all of those things. Don't you worry about that. But we'd love to have you as a part of this family, and more importantly, a part of the kingdom family of God And so let us hear from you. And to those of you here in our live audience, I would say to you as well, you can text us 
uh, if you wish or you desire to do that. Or you can take that tear-off panel that's in the back of your worship folder and you can see how to indicate a decision. You may have prayed to receive Christ today. We'd love to know that. And, uh, or I'd like to join Ridgecrest. And you can uh, check that on the tear-off panel. Uh, tear the panel off, and as you leave the building, there are offering baskets in the back. Just drop that in the offering basket. We'll get it, and we know what to do with it uh, from, from there. We have a family uh, uh, that uh, joined us recently online and uh, that are here in the service today. And uh, so uh, you can do the same thing, and we'd love to have you as a part of this family. Now, one final thing. You heard uh, Chuck mention the mission um, endeavor this month and in the weeks that follow we'll continue to receive our offering for our reach the world uh, mission uh, emphasis and I hope that you'll help us there we're well over forty thousand dollars toward our goal of a hundred thousand dollars and I want to tell you something as crazy as COVID has been I don't want it to restrict our ministries at all as little as possible I want us to keep doing what we've been doing for the kingdom of God and finding ways and creative ways to do that. And we talk about that and pray about that. Our staff does every week. But I want to continue to bless those other mission partners out there because they're out there and they depend on our gifts uh, to do the work that God has put, uh, called them to do. People from our own uh, congregation that have gone out on the mission field, uh, uh, places like Northeastern Baptist College, which is on a mission field, by the way, Bennington, Vermont. And uh, so I hope you'll generously give over and above your regular tithes and offerings. We have to have those to continue the work, obviously. But this is a time of year where we give generously to world missions, and I hope that you'll assist us with that, as well as feed someone, at a homeless person, $10 at Thanksgiving, or provide a cookie tray or a snack tray or a healthy treats tray or whatever it may be to the nursing stations and our hospitals and uh, a nursing care facility. So keep those things in mind. I love you. Thank you for being here uh, today. Uh, Brother Chuck, come and dismiss us.